0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the PropSwap podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got another great episode for you. Uh, We will, of course, get into some masters uh, preview talk, uh, the best golf tournament of the year. Uh, But first. Uh, i thought we would uh recap the final four march madness championship game another one in the books uh it was a record-breaking one uh for PropSwap in terms of number of winning tickets uh purchased uh the dollars given out uh to buyers uh and then on the selling side it was uh a record breaker in terms of velocity um with uh almost 70 percent of the winning tickets on Yukon purchased were sold more than once. Uh, so that means uh, close to 70% had at least three owners uh, at one point or another. And in some cases it was uh, up to six or seven uh, in, in some tickets. So um, you know, just kind of uh, drives home the fact that, you know, especially in this kind of one-and-done type of tournament, uh, these these teams are like stocks. You know, they go up, they go down. Uh, but, Luke, I mean, in the case of UConn, I think uh, there was only one direction, and it was up. I mean, uh, they steamrolled the competition every single game. Uh, what was uh, your takeaway from the championship game and just um, March Madness as a whole? Yeah, p-
1: besides that one of, you know, 68 68- teams, UConn, I thought it was super evenly matched. Obviously there was tons of drama, so many different upsets we've discussed over the past three weeks. Um, so just a perfect prop swap situation. You know, I I've heard some like Ravel was one person, but there's been a few other uh, people that I respect that have been like, there's actually some value into not filling out a bracket. And it's almost like (laughs) a tournament like this, where there's just so much drama and like, it wouldn't upset you. If a, an upset happens to one of your teams you would just support it and be happy that you got to watch the story unfold um this tournament kind of gave me some some validity to that theory so uh, just tons of drama uh, of course to your point uconn was clearly the best team from start to finish i mean they were just a wagon so congrats to them no doubt about it that team deserves to win the national championship but all the other teams together, get there of course Miami and sdsu and, and fau the three most notable teams um just super cool story and really happy for those three programs that seem to be you know on the upswing
0: yeah um i'm not sure i follow on the no value on a on a ten dollar bracket but i guess i guess the, what the point is is it, that like you end up rooting for certain things early on and then it's really going to be all for naught anyway so it's like why not just like embrace the chaos from from the very beginning that and then say, you know, um when
1: uh SDSU beat uh Bama. Yeah. Uh SDSU beat Bama, you know, if you had Bama in that situation, you might have not been that you might have not been as happy with that as opposed to just like enjoy the drama unfolding. Like Alabama goes down to an SDSU team that nobody picked in the universe. Like just appreciate the story. It's like watching a movie without a rooting interest. Like you're just enjoying the the drama of the situation versus having uh you know, oh, I'm upset that my my team lost or I'm not gonna win the pool anyway.
0: Yeah. Um you know, I I, I embrace the chaos no matter what. I mean, I, I pretty much always go into it assuming my bracket is gonna lose. Uh and mm. so uh, you know, if I'm still sweating my bracket by the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight, then I've probably done something right at that point. Um, you know. It was it was a great final four for for prop swap would i have liked to seen a little more of a more public team on, on the left side of the bracket um mm-hmm. similar to a, to a north carolina last year that was a hundred to one uh as, as was san diego state but they, you know that's it's a blue blood uh, i think that would have garnered a little more interest but um but yeah i mean it was like i said yet again another hundred to one long shot reaches the finals and and doesn't get there i mean uh, not to keep repeating ourselves, but I mean, you know, the Phillies, the the you know, TCU, uh I mean Eagles were were a long shot uh to to get to the finals and then just add one more uh to that. Um so uh just another season, another hundred to one long shot in, in the finals that uh doesn't quite get there. Um and uh you know we we saw plenty of action uh over the weekend and and leading up to, to the game. Uh it's funny it was mostly san diego state tickets being sold before the game uh i think a lot of people were wisely um looking to to get rid of those get rid of those tickets but on the flip side buyers were getting the best we had you know prop swap was offering the best price in the world on on san diego state um and just uh, one one sale that that stuck out to me uh and i was reminded of it when you mentioned the them beating alabama um this was sold before the game, the championship game, uh, and it was uh, a bid was submitted to the seller uh, for three hundred ninety-five dollars uh, on a ticket that the the seller made during the Alabama San Diego State game. He bet thirty bucks. On, on San Diego State at 55 to one during that game. And and as we've talked about in previous episodes, uh, and I think this, you know, to to your point, uh, if a team looks like they're about to win, like you can go hop on some of these, some of these futures. Uh, I think this one was made at DraftKings. Uh, and so $30 bet made during that upset. Uh, and then he accepted a bit of 395 um before the game uh so that was a 12x return for the seller uh and odds of plus 325 for the buyer uh which again like i said that that was the best odds in the world uh you know on 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 the aztecs who were like you know plus 300 plus 290 at at books so um yeah it was uh It was a great tournament what obviously would have liked a little closer of a of a championship game but it was also still fascinating how many people were buying uconn tickets at like crazy minus money and uh you know i feel like they were treating it like a football game where it's like oh yeah if a team's up big you know it's it's gonna be hard to come back but it's like basketball's a game of runs and at one point it it was a six point game um in that in that second half yeah
1: yeah, they got down, I want to say they got down to plus 400 money line in the second half. Of course, at halftime, they were like 15 to 1, or like 12 to 1, like crazy, crazy uh, underdog odds at halftime. But yeah, I think they got down to like 4 to 1 at the lowest when they pulled within 6, I want to say, like late, like middle middle second half. Um, but then, of course, UConn just pulled away and just said too much.
0: Yeah, uh, I I tweeted out at halftime just to remind everyone that in last year's final, uh, Kansas was down 15 uh, at half and and, and came back to win. Uh, San Diego State was only, and I I use that in in air quotes, only down 12 at half. But uh, to your point, San Diego State was plus 900 uh, on the money line at halftime and plus 12 and a half on the spread, which, um, you know, honestly was, you know, the game was seem over, but like if you had the spread, if you had like an in-game spread or the total, that was actually kind of a sweat uh, t- towards the end. So um, I, I always think it's funny when, you know, the casual viewers about to turn the game off and every single sports better who has any action on this game is sweating bullets uh, because the yeah. game is 100% not uh, decided. Um, so, yeah, I mean, another another March Madness in the books, another successful one, I I think I said this last uh, last week, I I think March Madness might be my favorite event, you know, more so than NFL playoffs, just because it's like the amount of games we just like, it's, we get them in, um, some games going on simultaneously. It's just, it's just wall to wall action for those, uh, four days in a row. And then, uh, and then it kind of slows down towards the the final four. But, um, yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm totally agree. It's like on championship weekend, like AFC, NFC day, like if one of the two games is a dud cool. 50% of all of my viewing you know, on the last day is boring. So, um, yeah, no, this, this is my favorite event. Um, I was gonna say like another, another year where California doesn't win a national championship. I know California was very excited to have, uh, a local team. That's certainly not a big, you know, UCLA or USC, um, program, but to have a California team back in it again, they come up short. So it's been, I believe, uh, before 2000 that California's had a national champion, which is crazy. Obviously the, I think it's the second most, I think it's the first most kids that go on to play, um, D one basketball is the state of California. So for them not to have a national championship in such a long time is
0: pretty wild. Yeah. Um, just to your point though about, uh, if one of the changing games is a blowout, you mean if, if a team's starting quarterback gets hurt in the first uh, couple of minutes and then they're on to like their third stringer, uh, that, that type yeah. of
1: situation, the Niners game. Yeah. So yeah. bad.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Uh, yep. That will do it for, for college basketball, but, uh, not to fret. There's plenty of other stuff coming up. Uh, obviously NBA and NHL playoffs are around the corner. Um, a ton of stuff going on in terms of, uh, NBA MVP, which maybe we'll get to, uh, next week, but just not enough time this week. Um, but Uh, coming up in a couple of days is the masters. Um, it is far and away the best golf tournament in terms of viewing. Uh, but also just in terms of betting and, uh, and prop swapping. Uh, and I mean, I think for many reasons, but one of, one of the reasons why I think, you know, this is such a great tournament for, uh, for betting and, and, and selling on prop swap is number one, the field size. It's like the smallest field you'll see. Right. So that kind of, that narrows your, your picks, right. And it, and it. And you're probably, and you're not, you're never going to have some guy that like just comes out of nowhere. It's like, you, like you have to qualify. It's a very small field. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's just way easier to follow. The whole thing is televised, uh, wall to wall, uh, versus like some of these tournaments where it's like, you know, they don't come on until 3 PM Eastern. And you're like, cool. I've, I've missed most of the day. Um, but I mean, the other reason is just that like, it's the same course every year, so like as a viewer, you, you get to know the holes uh, you know, it's, it's like the same experience, uh, as a viewer, but also when you're handicapping these golfers, you can see how they've done in previous years. And I think that that's the reason why you, you see kind of all the same names doing well, because like it's, it's tailor-made to a certain type of golfer. But, um, what, what do you, what do you, what stands out to you about the masters?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's even names for the holes, right? Like amen corner and, Um, so the, I agree. I think that's the charm of it. The fact that it is put at the same course as opposed to rotating from Illinois to New York to California, like that makes it more intriguing. Um, so yeah, I can't wait. Um, totally agree. The, the fact that it's televised the whole time makes it fantastic. Um, you know, just thinking back of all the different masters Sundays, like ton of time spent the university of Arizona library watching on my computer while I'm studying, like, you know, Bubba hitting that like crazy you know, 70 yard shot out of the woods to, to get on the green. Of course, tiger, um, you know, having not won in 20 years or something, you know, three years ago, um, and Phil winning it, like there's just so many of those iconic moments on, on the 18th green that just make the, um, attention and like pressure just higher this week than any other golf tournament.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That tiger one was, was crazy. Um, and you know, not, not, not complaining, but one of the things that, that, you know, happens when you, when you run a sports betting company is that like, you're, I'm I'm so like engrossed in, in the work that's involved with these big events that like, sometimes you don't get to uh, enjoy it. Uh, and so I was, I was doing my thing working that year, but I was watching with with my buddy and he was just going nuts and I'm like, I'm like half paying attention. And like, I, I, I had to watch the replay to like really get that full, um, get that full experience. But like, um, Yeah. I don't know. It's not, 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 not a complaint, just an observation. I mean, same thing with that buzzer beater, uh, FAU, uh, the FAU SDSU buzzer beater. Um, you texted me like, wow. And I'm like doing, you know, seven different things. So I, I, I couldn't get back to you, but, um, yeah, uh, agree with everything you just said. Um, you know, one day, one day we'll, we'll, we'll make it to, uh, we'll make it to Augusta. Um, I know that the, the no cell phone rule, uh, might uh stick in your craw but that that is a requirement that you have to check your your phone at the door
1: yeah so that's obviously wild that they still make you do that i think that rule will change eventually maybe i'm wrong i, I hope um, it doesn't yeah I, I understand the logic behind it i completely completely get it um you know just for us to have having work to do just to like not even have access to my phone on like a master's saturday is like a difficult um, endeavor, but it's super darn cool. Like you, it's amazing how excited, like I've been, we'll get to the, the golfers that we like for this tournament. It's amazing how excited they get. And then that kind of like bleeds into us, the spectator, who obviously are not playing at all. Um, so just to see how excited they are to play in this thing makes it, makes it pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's funny. I don't know why I got served this ad, but I did maybe just, uh, you know, for my, my search history, but I got served an ad on Instagram a couple of days ago that was like, buy the master's food in a box. Like they would they would sh- for $175, they would ship you a, like a dry ice box with like pimento cheese, egg salad, uh, like the wrap, the wrap, the sandwich wrapping paper, uh, like just regular kettle chips, the cups. And I was like very close to doing it. I was I came <laughs> very close to paying the 175 included shipping. Um to, uh, to get, to get that stuff. And I was like, yeah, I could eat a whole tub of pimento cheese while I watch the masters. I don't know. Is does that, does that seem crazy?
1: Totally. No, that's actually a great idea. You know, I think of gold Belly, um, which is like this like platform that you can order, like, you know, pastrami from New York city and, you know, peach gobbler from the south. And like it's $175 just for a pizza on that thing. So for 175 to get a big basket of goods on the masters, like that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I ended up not pulling the trigger and I was just like, I can go to the grocery store and get my own uh, egg salad if I uh, really wanted that that much. Because I would I would I knew I know I would end up eating all of it at some point or another. And I just I sure. felt kind of uh, disgusting. Uh, yeah, some, I thought of was coming. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, a lot to look forward to with the Masters. Um, but uh, before before we get into uh, steak or swap, I thought I would just kind of. Touch over, you know, some of the rules, uh, or just, you know, strategies. Uh, strategies, you know, strategies, you know uh, you're not going to get as deep into as we did for for March Madness, but uh, and a lot of these things we've talked about before. But number one is price shop. I mean, it's when when you have a field this large, um, you can really find. Uh, big differences from book to book uh, on certain golfers, right? I mean, 25 to one on one golfer at book A and 40 to one at, on that same golfer at, at book B. So um, you can really find, um, because, you know, a lot of these odds are, are based on the bets that that specific book has taken. Uh, and so um, if if you like a golfer and and maybe one book just hasn't taken that much action on them, then you can find uh, great, you know, uh, disparity in those odds. So that's number one uh and uh number two is 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 go for two i mean i i can't tell you how many times we've seen it where you know someone's made a very great golf pick long shot but they only have one of it and you know i think back to like when phil won i think it was the the u.s open it was the us open or pga I, i forget which one but he was like a 200 to one long shot uh and um you know guys were you know just took some flyers on phil um but they only made one of them and so it's like yeah, now granted he ended up winning but like you were you know you were faced with this you know really really tough decision yeah. and because you, you're like i because w- again it's way more harder to hedge right and i don't want to get into the whole hedging conversation but uh you know it, it's way harder to hedge on other golfers but because you don't know i mean there could be some guy that you know is in seventh that comes you know uh, from from that place to win so it's like where do you draw the line in terms of like what all uh, what other golfers to bet selling is really your only hedging option but then um you know if you only have one ticket you may not want to sell because um you know then you lose your you lose your upside there but then of course obviously you can go make a new bet yeah um yeah i mean
1: i i wouldn't the hindsight's 2020 20, just because Phil one doesn't mean in my opinion it didn't make sense to take some profit going into like 17 or 18 and then to your point way more difficult to hedge with golf because it's not a two pony race like in college basketball or the super Bowl like you can just make a, a hedge bet obviously on monday night's national championship would have been very, if you had an sdsu bet it was very very expensive to bet on uconn um you're talking minus 400 odds so you know if you want to clear ten thousand dollars of profit you know put up forty thousand not many people have forty thousand laying around so um way way more difficult to hedge in this scenario going into the Masters so buy multiple bets we, you know in finance it's called a basket just buy a basket Buy Rory and, you know, Rom and Scheffler, like just buy a basket. And to your point within that basket, if you have multiple bets on that same golfer, it just puts you in a better scenario. I'm not saying bet hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're talking, you know, two $10 bets on each golfer, two $20 bets on each golfer, put three to $400 to work this weekend. And um, if you're using props up properly and buying and selling as these golfers odds go down, you can make yourself a ton of money.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm sure I've made this analogy before on the podcast, but I, I, I make the analogy, it's like buying shares of a stock, right? So if, if you're going in saying, I want to bet 100 bucks on Rory, right? 8 to 1, I want to bet 100 bucks, make four $25 bets. Right. It's, it's, you know, you know, maybe you end up not selling any of them, but like at least it gives you that flexibility so that you could be selling one after Friday, one after Saturday, and then, you know, you know, leave yourself maybe one to sell during Sunday's round. Um, it's, it just gives you that, that flexibility and, and we're not even saying to change your, your, your bet amount. It's just, it's just breaking it up into multiple tickets, which again, I would say it's like buying shares of a stock. Um, but, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, of like when to sell, um, I would uh, urge everyone, you know, if you're looking at, like, you know, if you get some action down before the tournament, but that in between the second and third round, like that Friday night to to Saturday morning window is a great buying and selling opportunity. Like, there's a reason why they call Saturday moving day. Uh, And so um, you can find, I think, great value in terms of some long shots, right? So like. I mean, I, I don't even know how many times like a Justin Thomas has just like, you know, maybe had, a, a an average couple for, you know, you know, a couple first days and then just comes out of nowhere on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, so like those types of golfers who are maybe, you know, six, seven strokes back, but are really experienced and, uh, and have a great track record. Uh, can be found at, you know, 25, 30 to one. And by, if they have a great Saturday and then, and then they're in the mix then then you can sell for for a huge profit. And again, uh, you know, we can't stress this enough. When you're picking golfers, they don't need to win. They just need to improve. Right. And so um, uh, I would yeah, I would urge everyone to be looking at the odds boards uh, in between the Friday and Saturday rounds. But then on the flip side, I think that's also a great time to sell as well, because, you know, I I can think of a lot of examples where, you know, uh, kind of a no name, you know, guy Uh, you know, has a great Friday, Saturday, but then, oh, sorry, a great Thursday, Friday. Mm -hmm. But then when Saturday starts and they start to stagger the tee times in terms of, uh, you know, your position and now it's like, you know, so you're, you know, like a Charlie Hoffman, right? Uh, you know, I remember he's been leading masters after a Thursday round, but like you, you, once you're in that, if you're in that final group and you're teeing off now at 2. PM Eastern and you know, all the eyes are on you and you've gotten a bunch of text messages, you know, from all friends and family, like that's a lot of pressure. And I've seen a lot of people kind of cave under that pressure. And so, um, I would, so, you know, I would also urge everyone, if you, if you do successfully pick a long shot that does well in the first two days, I would be selling a little bit of your, of your, uh, of your stake, um, you know, heading into that third round. Yep. And it doesn't even have to be a Charlie Hoffman. You see these, you know, guys like
1: the, um, I like guess Speeth or, uh, JT or shuffle, like even those guys buckle under the pressure. So even if you've got, you know, a, a top tier golfer in that, you know, 30 to one odds or below to start the tournament, that kind of top tier of 15 guys, like even those guys get, get pressure on master Saturday and master Sunday, so. Um, totally agree. If you can make my, my general rule of thumb would be three X. If you can make three X on one of your golfers, just take that, take that, move on. So an example would be you got him at 25 to one. His odds are now eight to one sell that move on to the next guy. And then to your point earlier, maybe you're selling half of your position, but you're making three X on that. Um, so if you can, if your odds go down by a factor of three from 30 to 10, from 25 to you know eight and a half um from six to two even take the profit and move on to the next golfer
0: yeah um and uh yesterday i was looking at some of the the like to finish top five to finish top 10 type of props and like the odds are not great on on some of these guys to finish in the top five right and so um you know for example uh jason day 28 to one but to finish uh uh to finish top five he is uh five to one so like uh you know to your point um you can you can make more money by I feel like taking the guy to win the Masters and then selling it and you know because he's looking like he might finish in the top five but then you don't even have to sweat you know that he's you know Pete bogey's 18 or whatever to finish in sixth versus finishing fifth or whatever like because you know obviously there's there's money discrepancies in these finish places but a lot of these guys are not they're not exactly super you know if they're not going to win it sometimes the they start to you know kind of come apart there and it's like whatever I finish fourth fifth seventh whatever I'm not going to win it you know um and so um yeah uh I would almost say that getting the price shopping for the to win the whole thing and then selling is is better value than uh than finishing in the top five or top ten um, but before we get into stake or swap, um, cause we each have, we've, we've each picked one kind of long shot ish, uh, golfer, any, any kind of a uh, quick hits in terms of, uh, who you like, who you don't like.
1: Yeah. Just quick. hits. not going to go into the logic behind these. want to keep the, this episode short and sweet. I know everyone's doing their own homework, so we'll get into a longer in depth of one golfer each, but quick guys. I don't like Tony fee now. I feel like he never like over the past five years he's a good golfer but he just so rarely gets down into that five to one six to one range that's a factor of his performance but also just the books don't trust him so I just don't think that would be a golfer that is going to get down to like you got him 24 to one I don't see him getting into those low single digits the five or six to one range where you can make a profit speed same thing the guy's just been ice cold I know he's had He's gotten warmer over the past six months. He's had a, he's had a decent 2023 end of 2022, but I just, I feel like he's past his prime. It's we're long removed from his master's win. It was like, gosh, 2016 or something it feels like it was uh, seven years ago. Um, and then the guys I like just quickly, just John Rahm. I think John Rahm's always in the mix. Um, he's totally a golfer that could get down to the two to one range, on Saturday or Sunday, uh, right now you can find him. Just quickly looking, you can get him a ten to one on Fanduel. So I could totally see him getting down to the two to one range on Saturday or Sunday. Get rid of it.
0: Um, I'll, just before I get into my kind of quick thoughts, if if I were to say if I gave you Scheffler or Rom at like the same roughly the same odds, would you take Rom still? Um, you know.
1: Ways to lose money: betting against Tom Brady or Sky Scheffler over the past year and a half. So no,
0: right. So that's I don't know. That's kind of why I'm like Scheffler seven. If I'm looking at those like Shuffler's top seven. three guys, right? Scheffler, Rory, John Rahm. I mean, those are the top three favorites at every sports book. It's like because to lead to my to my point is I like looking at previous champions, right? to this and granted john rom has done well at the masters before but like because it's the same course because it caters to a certain type of golfer uh because there is some there is those nerves and if you i feel like if you've if you've won before maybe they're a little less i i still think there's there's obviously still nerves even if you have one but um if i'm if i'm gonna take one of those top three golfers i th- I feel like i'm i'm just gonna go scheffler right like even though it sucks he's yeah. what seven to one seven and a half to one yeah, but I like mean-
1: Shuffler's five at Caesars, just cherry-picking numbers here. Five at Caesars, Rams plus 950 at FanDuel.
0: Right. Well, Shuffler's seven plus seven hundred at, at FanDuel. So uh I don't know if you've ever heard me, but rule number one, price shop. Um uh so yeah, I don't know. that, that just just so my point is. I like looking at, uh, previous champions to do well. And so the name that kind of sticks out to me is Hideki Matsuyama who won uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, and so that's point number one and then point number two would be looking at, um, kind of previous, uh, or like how they're doing in the past couple tournaments, right? Like, are, are they coming into form at the, at the right time? And so, uh, he finished tied for 15th last week at the Texas open and then he finished fifth. At the Players Championship a couple of weeks ago, so uh, I do feel like he is kind of coming into form. He has won uh, there previously, uh, and he's currently like fifty to one at, at some books. Uh, FanDuel's got him at forty six to one. So um, I would be looking at some some previous champions. Uh, Will Zalatoris also? He's always he's gotten very close a couple of times. So he's forty four to one. So um, I would I would definitely be looking at, at uh, golfers uh, like that. So wow, um, love Zalatoris. Yeah, Willie Z. Uh so without further ado, I think it's uh time to get into the full version of stake or swap. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll, be talking about Cameron young, currently 35 to one at Caesars. Uh, he's 32 and 30 at some other books. So definitely Caesars currently having the best odds on, on Cameron young. Uh, I will go first. I will stake Cameron young. Um, as I've mentioned, uh. Long drivers do well at at Augusta, and the reason is that because uh, it just sets up uh, a closer approach shot. Uh, and so, um, if you look at really any of the past champions, they've all been pretty long off the drive. I mean, you know, Tiger uh, most most notably. Um, and so, uh, Young ranks second on tour in driving distance. He ranks second in approach shots from uh, 150 to 175 yards. Uh, and then I thought this uh, was a was a good tidbit uh Cameron Young he fired his caddy a couple weeks ago hired a new veteran caddy and then in their first tournament together they finished second in the match play a couple weeks ago uh to uh to Sam Burns and and uh Young was actually the favorite heading into that into that final round against Burns but uh he lost actually pretty handedly but um but yeah I mean I think that's a again talking about long drivers coming into form new caddy uh and so uh Cameron Young 35 to 1 um I I'm that's why I'm staking him
1: yeah no he's definitely a warm golfer over the past you know three to six months um i'll swap cam young um because i'm going to take another golfer from wake forest university wills al that we briefly mentioned um so i just z will get you wills Al will to get you 44 to 1 odds sticking at fan duel so you know 25 percent more on your money um, and that guy, like, I feel like getting 44 to one on a guy that's like over the past two years, always in the hunt Saturday, Sunday, again, none of these guys I'm saying are going to win on Sunday. I'm simply saying, will the odds go down and, and you can sell it on Saturday, Sunday. Um, I just like Zalatars for 25% more on my money. Gotcha.
0: I, I didn't realize that there was a rule that only one Wake Forest, uh, golfer can finish <laughs> yes. in the top five, yes. um, but uh, good, good to know. Um, all right. uh and so the next golfer we're going to go a little deeper down the odds board uh Saehee Tagala uh hopefully I, I got that right uh currently is uh currently 130 to 1 at FanDuel uh to win the Masters uh Luke you go first are you staking or swapping Tagala yeah so
1: certainly biased on the Netflix documentary um they did a like a you know a bid on him it was him and uh Amito Pereira Uh, was a was an episode and I think anyone I don't care if it's college basketball golf like you know Charles Barkley picking Auburn or picking against Alabama like everyone has biases so I think the sooner we accept that everyone has you know biases whether that's some information or like you went to the college or you know the person like everyone has biases so I'd preface this pick with um the reason I know about this guy is watching the Netflix documentary but Um, reason I like him, he picked, um, finished second in the Phoenix open, the waste management open, um, last year, it's the loudest, uh, tournament in golf. It's the most attended tournament in golf. So if he can handle that pressure and finish one stroke back from you guessed it, Scotty Scheffler, um, he can handle this again for the fifth time in this podcast. I'm not saying this guy is putting the green jacket on on Sunday, but 130 to one, I could see him getting down to 20 to one on a saturday or sunday and then you're making you know six times what you paid for it uh bet 100 sell for 600.
0: um yeah no uh i i love that episode about him because it's like i've i've seen his face i i knew the name but i like literally had never heard him speak and it's like yeah. um you know let's just say you know he when, he when he when he speaks he sounds like a guy from houston like he sounds like a like a straight like kind of like oh, text like he's texas kid. county
1: He's from, orange He's county. from orange county
0: all right well he yeah was li- or well he was living in texas right
1: i think he now lives in texas probably tax oh, reasons yeah. most of those um, guys don't live in california for tax reasons but yeah from uh from orange county and then went to pepperdine the uh university in malibu
0: gotcha uh yeah and then uh him keeping his laundry in like a cardboard box or something uh yeah, i totally. thought it was also it's like someone get this kid a laundry a laundry basket um totally. So yeah, no, I, I I definitely enjoyed that episode and, and and gained some respect for him. Uh however, I am I'm swapping uh Thagala. Um, he just does not do it enough off the tee. He ranks 175th on tour in in driving distance. Um again, you know, I'm guessing this is his first Masters, uh if not if it's, it's I, th- I think this got to be his first Masters. And so um I just have a hard time seeing uh, a guy who doesn't bomb it off the tee and is playing at Augusta for the first time, um, just doing well. I mean, I think maybe he could get there in the future uh, after a couple, a couple rounds. But my guess is he's going to be, you know, you talked about, you know, playing under pressure at at the Phoenix open, you know, the loudest thing. Okay. Well, masters is the quietest thing, right? So, uh, you know, I'm not so sure that the. the noise level thing kind of translates and, uh, I, whatever pressure is at the Phoenix open, I think it's amplified by 20, uh, at, at Augusta. Yeah. So, um, I just, I, I would not, I would not put my money on, on a, on a guy who has just kind of unproven, uh, in that regard.
1: Yeah. Just what well, you bring up the noise. And I wanted to address this. Um, I love this tournament. It is far and away my favorite golf tournament to watch every year. I'm not taking anything away from it, but what are your thoughts on piping in the bird noise?
0: yeah um <laughs> I mean that's yeah the, the, you know the they really want to give you that Augustics like they're really like trying to think okay like how can we like really bring the viewer into Augusta but yeah you're saying when yeah. they cut away to like the leaderboard or whatever and it's like the birds are just like squawking <laughs> you're like oh that is no there's no way that like that they are going that loud okay. next to the it's- to the camera
1: it's a hundred percent vague. There's people there that are like last year tweeting about it. Like I didn't hear one bird in like eight hours of watching golf. And yet us as the viewer sitting at home. It sounds like we're in the middle of a, a Amazon jungle with like birds just chirping choruses of, of notes. So, um, yeah, that when I figured that out, I think it was last year, maybe the year before I was just like, all right, I think, like I think it was
0: that's, Rick Riley that tweeted that right. Cause Rick Riley's like, he's like, he's like, I've been to many a masters and I am now I'm watching it at home and I can guarantee you the birds are not that loud.
1: Yes. Yes and there was there was evidence like it is a fact that like they piped that in now. there's also been people that say the n f l and other sports piping crowd noise, so you know maybe that's not the only sounds that are fictitious uh, but yeah, when I found that out, I'm like all right like let's just let's just reel it back a little bit. We don't need to pipe in bird noise, but it's part of the viewing experience for sure,
0: yeah and i don't think the nfl the pipe in crowd noise but i think they definitely like they have a separate crowd mic and they're like let's jack that up and so it you know it sounds way louder than it would sound if you were right. you know in in the stadium um right which is different so, like yeah. play,
1: playing with the volume levels versus artificially adding in bird noise is different
0: yeah look you know they're trying to they'll send you master's food in a box and they'll and they'll <laughs> you know give you all the the animal noises uh coming from augusta they're just trying to give you the the full the full experience yeah
1: and then lastly um, i'm wearing a green shirt for the masters for those of you who are not watching our youtube but check us out on youtube and of course follow us on social media so you can get a viewing of what ian and i wear each week
0: yeah um i'm wearing kind of half pajamas because i was up uh art <laughs> me and my team were up until one thirty in the morning last night and then up again early this morning um to take care make sure every Every customer was, uh, was, uh, successfully paid out. So, uh, thank you to the team, uh, for, for the hard work on that one. Um, so I apologize Agreed. for the, uh, the, uh, not dressing look, up for the occasion. You look great. Thank you. Uh, also, meanwhile, it's a, uh, it's a snow globe outside, uh, in Denver in April. So, um, it's, uh, wow. below 30 and snowing. So, um, you know, also no reason to go outside today um but that will do it uh for for this week's episode uh thank you so much for listening uh please make sure to subscribe leave a rating and we will talk to you next week